Hi, I'm Melanie Huggard. Welcome to Eavesdropping, a conversation between two life consultants where we talk about the questions that can be scary. These are conversations that spark curiosity, insight, perspective, and breakthrough. This podcast might trigger you, and I actually hope that it does. I hope that it triggers you into growth. Let's dive in. Well, do you want to talk about this or no? Yeah, let's do it. We're on. <laughs> I just do. I'm just going to talk about it in an angry sort of a way. Okay, you can talk about it in an angry sort of a way. Yeah, I was like, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about friends. You're all a bunch of jerks, anyways. You should probably help you with this. What's his problem? His internet's not working well. Gosh, dang. This guy needs to like, go on antidepressants or something or mellow out. Yeah, I don't know if you can bomb other people's internet, but we could ruin countries. <laughs> it would not be hard. It no. would not be hard. You just ruin their internet. Like mm-hmm. 99% of Americans are like me. Okay, yep. side, side note. I'm parked in downtown Cleveland in my new town. There's a building in front of me. It has a plaque on it that says Bilbo Law Office. And the person who walked out of Bilbo Law Office no. looks like he looks like uh, Bill Gates if you put Bill Gates in a Laffy Taffy machine and stretched him out. Oh. <laughs> it's like if you added a, if you added a foot and a half to Bill Gates, that's who just walked out of the building. Okay. I thought you were going to say the person that walked out looked like a hobbit. <laughs> No, because that would have been made sense. But instead, it was Bill Gates in a Laffy Taffy machine. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right. So, I want to get on topic. <laughs> I just so have hard. To... I'm just Aaron, making it harder. Aaron, you're the, you're the best big little brother I ever wanted. <laughs> I, are you saying I'm good at talking about nothing? You actually are good at that. You're really good at that. You're actually, okay, for people who don't know you, I just want to say, Aaron, Aaron's such a good communicator. You... <laughs> See, they I'm used not... to call, they used to have a technical term for this. They called it a bullshitter. <laughs> okay. I wasn't no, actually call... trying to be funny. He's an excellent communicator. <laughs> Oh I just, man! I just realized <laughs> he wasn't trying to be funny. Seriously, but um, in all in all actuality, you're you're such a good communicator. Um, you know when you you're dynamic when you speak and you're captivating when you're speaking to audiences, and you're such a good motivator in communicating. And so, um, thank you. That is true about you. I don't know if that's the experience everyone else is having on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, the trials to get to this podcast have been enormous. I know they have been. It's been hard. Tennessee has, doesn't like you being on the internet. <clears throat> Clearly, I'm driving all over Tennessee just for some Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh my gosh! But that's what friends do, and that's what we want to talk about today, right? Like <laughs> the what it's like to have friendships as adults. Yes. Is it even different than kids? 
Like, I think that there are some aspects that are different, but I also think there's some things that just don't change no matter how old you are, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I'm watching my kids make new friends. We're in a new town and, you know, to make friends, you have to risk. I mean, there's all these pieces tied to friendship, you know, you have, and I'm having to take, I'm having to do all the things my kids are doing. I've got to put yeah. myself out there. Yeah. Um, I've got to go find people who might know something, you know, like um, I, th- there's just all that work that you don't realize that goes into being a, in a friendship mm-hmm. and actually mo- moving the, cause uh, um, recently we just moved across country. It's actually a real blessing because my entire family, my wife and all of my kids were all having to take these steps at the same time. And it kind of brings you, I mean, I lived in the town I lived in for like 40 years. So to come to a whole new town and know nobody and have to be the new kid on the block is a bizarre feeling. Especially for you, because you were so well known in your town. You know, you weren't isolated and like, yeah, I've lived here for all this time and only a handful of people know me, right? Like, you're really, you were really known. And when I was doing things in our community to help uh, foster awareness around the need for more foster homes, um, everyone kept telling me, oh, you need to talk to Aaron Hayes. You need to, have you met Aaron Hayes? You need to meet Aaron Hayes. And um, and then what was funny was I never reached out to you and um, I ended up interviewing with you for the job. So <laughs> it's just yeah. like, all right, apparently I do need to meet Aaron Hayes because here I am. It was um, destiny. Yeah, it was destiny. So, um, but the, the drastic change of that from everybody knows me to nobody knows me that's crazy yeah and I think it's actually um I mean we don't have to stay here too long but it's like it's a little bit refreshing too because Mm -hmm. you know when you live in a small town and you think about friends friends gets very layered what does it mean to have a friend it could mean I went to junior high with you or I went to high school with you um and so we were friends then but now I'm 40 and we don't do anything together but when I see you if someone said who's that I go that's one of my friends Mm -hmm. you know but we don't spend any time together you know so there's those like surface friends um but then there's friends that you like build your life with you know friends that you're gonna I call them the 2 a.m friends you know the friends you can call in the middle of a crisis and go hey can you help me process this or I'm in a mess or my car broke down. I need you to pick me Mm -hmm. up. Like I find the older we get, the harder it um, becomes to maintain those kinds of friends and the harder it is to find them. Yeah. Especially like, like, like I was like, uh, you know, like kind of Reading famous, like people in Reading knew who I was, Mm -hmm. um, which is, which is cool. But you know, when there, there are some people who, air quotes here are your friends but they're really your friends because of the platform you have right. or they're friends because of what you can do for them they're not necessarily friends um because they they love you for you you know what i'm right. saying right yeah they yeah i totally know what you're saying with you said something about uh, it's harder to get those friends as you get older 
I find that to be so true. Like, um, it seemed like when my kids were young, so my kids are 30, 25, and 22. And when they were young, kids kind of, they actually help create friends for you because they end up in sports or activities or in the same youth group with other kids. And you end up meeting those kids as parents and and doing life together a lot of times, kind of how it works. But um, and some of those people you can't call, but I don't know, it just does seem like I had a lot of people I could call um, for the 2 a.m. thing in my 20s versus now I just have a handful of people. But I will say this, I have out of those handful of people, they're still the same people from my 20s. Really? Yeah, I have. I think I think that's really unique. I mean, I don't think, I think a lot of people don't have it like that. Yeah. I mean, I have my friend Chris in Oregon. Here's the bummer part for me. They're all out of town. <laughs> so, like, right. My, they can help me in a crisis, an emotional crisis, or if I needed somebody to talk to, or if I needed somebody to pray with me, right? And now you're gone, you and Sarah. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. part of that, you're part of that list now. But yeah. um you know, I got a friend in Vegas, I got friends in Southern California, and I got friends in Oregon and Tennessee now that um, I could call anytime I needed something. Yeah. Wouldn't matter and if, you, and you guys, if I, if, if it was a money thing, like here's, here's a cash app of a hundred bucks if you need it to sure. pay, the, pay the tow truck driver, right? Like if you're stuck on the side of the road or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think like one of the things I've learned, you know, so let's, let's go back to like, what does it mean to be a friend when you're a kid? You know, there's some basic things we know that we know as parents or we know as adults that we watch is like, we know with kids that you become like the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So if you see, if you see a good kid and he's starting to hang out with all the kids who are smoking pot, what is probably going to happen with that kid? Yep. He's probably going to exactly. start smoking pot. And yep. Um, you know, there's that, there's that saying that we become like the five people we spend the most time with, Yep. you know, or they say like, Hey, I know, I know how wealthy you're going to be. Show me the five people that you spend the most time with, right. you know, <laughs> like, because we tend to rise to the level of our peers. And so that's one way to look at it that that doesn't change whether you're young or old, but we tend to forget about that and stop. Um, see, as parents, we're really invested in coaching our kids uh, at least if you're in a healthy family, we're yeah. invested in coaching our kids to be better than we are, to rise to a new level. And so all of a sudden we look at their friends and we start filtering their friends for them. No, you can't hang out with him. Yes, you can hang out with them under these circumstances. You know, like we start doing all this filtering for them because that's our role as parents is to help kids develop the difference between right and wrong and good and bad. And then what happens is we get to be adults and we almost put that like on cruise control um, mm-hmm. when in reality, I think a lot of adults still need coaching on what does it look like to have and create good friendships that actually build you up. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I'm feeling that very intensely right now because my kids are, my kids are in a whole new school. See in Reading, it was like, if you landed at a school, chances are, I know the principal, I know half the teaching staff, you know, like I know all these people so I can, I can look out for my kids, even though I'm not there. Whereas here, nobody knows us at all. 
you know, we're the new California people, which of which there's a lot of them. Um, you know, so we're just like kind of like another person out there that doesn't necessarily have all these roots. And so, um, you know, I'm watching my kids and what I'm finding is I'm having to do a lot of coaching with my kids on the basics. Hey, by the way, you guys, you know, and we're talking about it in the, in the vehicle, like in the car, um, every day. Cause you know, I'm driving the kids to school or Sarah's driving the kids to school. And we're talking about this dialoguing every day. What does it look like to find friends? Um, yeah. What does it look like to find good friends, not just yeah. mediocre friends that are going nowhere, but what does it also look like to find people who are going the same direction as you in life, you know? And so that's, that doesn't change with age. It just gets more nuanced. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets more nuanced because people get hurt, you know, like, as adults, it's like, it gets hard. The more you get wounded, the harder it is to trust. It's true. It's true. And so you end up hanging out with adults that will be nice to you in one instance. But if you say something the wrong way, they, all of their defenses might go up. You know, this happened recently here with a new person that, that we met that we're building a friendship with. They were going through something hard. And my wife sent them a text that she would send to you, Melanie. Right. A text that was loving, but was also honest and challenging them to dig, dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. This person did not receive it well. Oh yeah. You're in the <laughs> South now. They don't do that. I don't think. <laughs> Just I kidding. don't think they tell. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they, they have people that tell mm-hmm. the truth because, mm-hmm. but Sarah, Sarah told the truth and it was actually wisdom that Sarah shared, but because Sarah doesn't have that level of friendship yet, it got totally misunderstood. And so, but I think this comes down to the premise of what is a friend? You know, what is it, what does it look like to have a good friend? What do really good friends do? And -hmm. I think that's one of the things that I would put in there is how do you know if you have good friends? Well, one way, you know, is do your friends tell you the truth, even if it hurts? Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I had a, I had a group of people I ran with for 11 years that I thought were my friends but what happened was when I started telling the truth, they started viewing me as the enemy instead of as their most loyal friend. Right. And that it, it brought me to an epiphany. It brought me to like an awakening of like, oh my gosh, we're not as close as I thought we were because we're only friends as long as I'm in agreement with them. Well, that's not right. actually a friend. Right. So not only do friends tell the truth, but friends are receptive to the truth. Well, and they don't always have to be, but there has to be that element of, I can come back, I can come back around and I trust your heart that, that you are coming from a place of love for me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I remember working with at-risk kids and I, and I probably didn't do this as much with that friend that the 11 year friendship kind of ended um, because he, he didn't want to hear the truth anymore. But, you know, with kids, I used to always ask for permission before I tell them the truth yeah, about totally. themselves. Yeah. You know? And I'd I, be I like, do. Hey. Yeah, I'll do yeah. that, too, with my friends. They're like, can I can I speak into this or can I can I say something or can I ask a question? Uh, I, I, like, I like I like that, too. It's like, um, you know, that's another thing that I think really healthy friends do is we don't just force ourselves on each other, but we mm-hmm. do ask for permission yeah you know it's like I have one friend who is really struggling you know and it works really really hard and is actually extremely talented um like 
really like rising to the top of her field. Um, but she has this, she's struggling and she knows she's working on it, yeah. but she struggles that she feels like she always has to fix everyone else's problems. Right. Yeah. You know, and, but the problem is what that's really saying is I don't trust you to take care of yourself. Right. Exactly. And so, so, um, she wonders why she struggles to build teams and she wonders why, um, she wonders why she feels so stressed all the time because she's owning their problems more than they are. Yeah. And I think what happens, yeah, I think what happens with, with really good friends is that they don't try and solve your problems for you, but they Mm -hmm. definitely will sit with you in it. They definitely will give you wisdom, but they can't do for you what only you can do for yourself. They just know how to um, navigate that with you. And that's something that just takes time. It's something we all grow in. Yeah. Sometimes we do it well and sometimes we suck at it. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of like my son, (laughs) my son had a a friend named, well, it doesn't matter his name. And, um, let's call him, let's call him Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. So (laughs) Blake Blake and Jehoshaphat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. They, They were buds, man. They were so cute. And, um, they would, I would just watch them bond over common interests, right? Like it was so simple when they were little, these common interests that they had and, um, they saw the world very much similarly and experienced the world similarly. Uh, but as you get older, like that stuff changes and shifts and, yeah, you know, it's, it can't just friendships can't just be about that. And I think we can, miss out on beautiful opportunities of friendships with people who think differently, see the world differently and um, experience it differently and not be open to their wisdom and, and we're robbing ourselves. Yeah. I think that, I think that you have to think about friends, like almost like concentric circles around your life. Like if you were just to draw a circle just around where you're standing right now, you know, and then extend that out, you know, to like five feet. If you could only put your inner circle friends within that five foot circle, who makes it in that circle? Oh yeah. I got a list. You know, and then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then if you, and then if you extend that out, there's now there's another line, you know, so there, so there's the first, the circle only you can stand in. There's things Mm -hmm. only you can do. Right. Then there's a circle that, you know, that's like five feet around you and only a couple of people can really be in that inner circle mm-hmm. and then you extend it out another five feet um and now there's a, a whole nother group which is a bigger group of people that are connected to you that they're close to you that they yeah. can be in a lot of things but they can't they can't necessarily do exactly what the inner circle can do and then you do it one more time and then there's that group of people that you know they're like 30 feet out and they're there and you know they're there and they know you're you're there and um, yeah, you guys yeah. rub shoulders, but it, they're not necessarily in your inner circle decisions. Um, you know, they may not know everything that's happening in your life, but um, maybe you have some things in common. You know, maybe you're both in the same work field or, you know, maybe you've you've uh, lived in the same town for a long time. So you've seen each other a lot. And you're always nice and cordial. You know, I think the thing that people make mistakes is assuming that all your friends have to be inner circle friends. Right. Or they make the mistake of assuming that all of my friends, it's okay for them just to be those 30 foot friends. Right, right. You know, and what happens is some people, this is where you get people defining others. 
and like I have one person that I know that she keeps everyone as a 30 foot friend, mm. meaning like she's she's acquaintances with everyone, but no one really knows her deeply. Mm. And it's yeah. it's a result of being wounded by close friends. Yeah. So what happens is even she can be in a crowd of people and feel completely alone inside. Yeah. And yeah. then there's other people who have that really tight inner circle. Um, but then they don't cultivate the people outside of that inner circle. So if their inner circle is not there, they're completely lost because they don't know how to engage in community. Right. And the truth is we need both. We need community that knows us deeply. We also need community that's the broader community um, that's out there that we have, um, you know, affection and connection with, but not necessarily, they don't know all of my stuff. Right. And, um, you know, the, the first five foot circle, I call those people, my mirror friends. Those are the friends like they're close. The close that they are to me is they're allowed. They're the ones that can hold a mirror up to me and tell me who I am. I, tr- oh, like, I like that. They are that safe. And yeah, when I forget who I am, when I can't see who I am, even if I'm acting not like myself and I'm crazy, right? Like they, they hold that mirror back up to me and remind me who I am. They can tell me who I am. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I have, you're, you're one of those friends for me. Um, and, you know, I have Dika, Mitzi, Dawn, and Chris. Yeah. Those, like, as I think off the top of my head. And, and of course, my husband. My husband's, like, uh, obvious, but maybe yeah, not obvious. Yeah. Maybe not obvious, so I'm just going to say it. Um, but as far as outside of my husband, who is my best friend, um, you know, I do have a handful of people that can that can tell me who I am, and um, I trust that. And we need, and we need that. You know, like I was, I was thinking about this topic of friendship, and I was writing down a couple notes. One of the things I wrote down was that, you know, friendship is one of the greatest wealths we will ever have in our life. You know, it's one of the richest things we can, some people have are rich in money, but you know, it's almost better to be rich in friendship, Yeah. you know, because money comes and goes, but, but really good friends, um, are very hard to find. It's easier to go out and become rich than it is to find a good friend. Yeah. You know, um, the, and the thing I was thinking too about, about friendship is that if you have a really good friend they can become some of the most powerful anchors in your life and really secure you in a storm. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. like that idea of the mirror of like, you know, when chaos starts hitting, when, when in your life, when you're hurting, it gets really confusing. Mm-hmm. It gets confusing. I, I personally, like I lose, I all of a sudden start questioning everything. I start questioning my gifts, my talents. I start questioning who I can trust. Um, I get really depressed and I've got to have those friends, you know, and, and I would say equally, like you're one of those people as well, a mirror friend mm-hmm. that I know if you have something hard to say to me, you have, you're saying it from a place of care and concern, right? you know, right. and, and you've become a part of, of my family, my wife and my kids. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I always mm-hmm. say, like everyone, my family knows when I'm talking to you generally, cause I'm laughing, right? you know, it's like. <laughs> But it's not just the laughter. It's we've. I've also cried with you around. You know, it's right. like there's Which there's moments where, yeah, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 
no, but, uh, you know, but it's like you, you, we learn how to anchor each other in the truth. Yeah. yeah. But the, the other flip side is that if you don't have good friends, some people might be going, well, I'm not sure if my friends are good or bad. Really good friends will anchor you in a storm. They can secure you. Really yeah. bad friends will drown you in your storm. Mm. They're mm. a different kind of anchor. One wow. anchor secures your ship. The other anchor is like, it'll take you to the bottom of the ocean. Wow. That's and there's a, a lot of image. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who go, who go, oh yeah, my friends have been in my life forever. They're right. like anchors in my life. And, and they, at first they, that sounds good. And then I go, yeah, but what kind of anchor? Are they the kind of anchor that secures you so you can weather the storm or the kind of anchor that takes you to hell? Wow. Right. That is so good, so, Aaron. And, and what does that mean? I've been thinking, I was thinking about this. Like, what does that mean? Good friends who anchor you in a storm, they elevate your potential because they tell you the truth right. and they don't just tell you the truth. They also give you the courage to take the next step you need to do. Mm-hmm. What is that next step? Do you need to forgive? What is that next step? Do you need to go see a counselor? Yeah. What is that next step? Um, and, and they're not doing it from a place of malice. They're doing it from a place of love and healing and, um, and vulnerability, because it is so vulnerable to have conflict. But, you know, there's that verse that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah. I think most Christians completely ignore that. Right. Because what we, what we assume is that if you're going to wound someone, you've sinned. But that's not true. There's, there's times when we wound one another for the right reason. Right. And you could call it a wound or you could call it a surgery. Right. There's times when people have told me the truth and it hurt me deeply, but because it was true, it allowed me to remove a cancer. Yeah, it's true. So bad friends become like, they become like the demonic voice in your head mm-hmm. telling you that your past will always be greater than your future. Yeah. Or they, or they help you ignore it. Yeah. Or, or they, they numb it or, yeah, you know, yeah. uh-huh. a lot of times this is why family can be, sometimes you go, Oh, I'm, I see this a lot, by the way, I've, I've um, officiated so many young people's weddings. And a lot of times it's the women that are best friends with their mom. Mm-hmm. And then they get married and they wonder why their husbands are just dying and so frustrated with their, with their mother-in-law. Mm. And the reason why is because the mother-in-law, all of a sudden, it's like, and this happened to me too, you know, when Sarah and I were young and married, I, we had it out a couple of times and I finally was like, Hey, listen, I didn't marry your mom. I married yeah. you. Yeah. So let's, you and I have the conversation because what was happening is every time we would have to work things out, Sarah and I, she wasn't even hearing me. All she was hearing was the voice of her mom. It was like a demonic voice that her yeah. mom's not demonic. Right. But I mean, demonic, like it was dark, it was heavy. And it was right. basically telling her, you can't trust men. Right. You know, right. because her mom had mom's been married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom's pain was transferred onto her. Mm-hmm. And mom's pain was that this guy left us and never came back. He left when Sarah was in fifth grade. Sarah didn't meet him again until she was 32. Yeah. And so what happened is we would get in fights and finally I realized I'm not even, this fight isn't even about me. I'm like, you put, you put, you projected your dad onto me Mm -hmm. and I haven't left and I'm not leaving and I'm still here. So please, can we have the real 
the real issue, you know? Yeah. Can we talk about the real issue? So I say all that to say good friends will elevate your potential. They give you the courage to take the next step. Bad friends start saying, start basically holding the past against you. Right. Bad and projecting start... their own pain onto you. Like, and we all do it. That's we all do it. Like we, we all do it. Yeah. You know, I went to a couple things I want to say before I forget. One is, um, I'm thinking of Rebecca too. She's a friend of mine that is, she reminds me who I am and she anchors me to the ship. And, um, I can always trust her to tell me the truth. I can always trust her to hold her tongue if she needs to with me. Um, but you know, for me, the kind of personality I am, I, I, I need to know that you're going to tell me the truth, that you're not going to just leave me to myself, like leaving me to myself mm-hmm. and not speaking into me is terrible. And so <laughs> like, I'm always looking for friends who want to, you know, be that kind of person. But I also want to bring attention to, I was reading in preparation for this um, podcast, I was reading a psychology today article and they were saying that poor social um, support is equivalent to your, on your, the effects of it on your health is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Yeah. And so like anyone who thinks it doesn't matter to have friends or they're fine alone, it's actually bad for your health. And, and to the person who might have a great gym regimen, but they always are canceling on that friend at lunchtime that makes them laugh. They need to re the, according to this article, they're like, you need to reprioritize that because getting with that friend who makes you laugh, getting with that really good supportive friend on a regular basis is good for your health. Well, it's good. You know, it's like, you know, it's like good friends are good for the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but it, the, the reality is if you think about it, you can almost explain that physiologically. It's not just a mental thing, but when you're under stress or when you're around people who only add stress to your life, what does that do? It Mm -hmm. elevates your heart rate. Your heart's working harder. Yeah. Your heart, your heart is lit. And that's sometimes why we get sick is we're making our bodies work so hard just to maintain. And it can, people can, I know some people who put me into, they still can put me into emotional survival mode. You know, they, and it's like, they can touch, an ancient pain or wound that other people can't touch and they touch it and then they walk away and I may not be showing it on the outside, but inside I am dying. And that stress has a physiological whiplash impact on our bodies. You know, there's a, there's a really famous book that um, counselors and therapists, um, you know, uh, they all know it. It's called the body keeps the score, but it's the idea that that we actually store we store the stress in our body. And it's funny is our friendships are going, our friendships are a huge part of does that stress get um, stored in us or does it give us a way to alleviate the stress? Um, I had a friend who um, she was hanging out with um, these women that she had been friends. They were historical friends. She'd been friends with them since high school and they had all grown up and now they were all very powerful, successful women. And she had two of them at the same time that were having affairs on their husbands. And then they confided in her and she was also friends with the husbands and she was stressed to the max because she would be with them as a couple. And she knew the wife is lying to the husband and they're both her friends and it became toxic for her. 
Mm-hmm. She was in meltdown mode all the time because every time she was around them, she felt like she was having to carry their life. Yeah. How sick does that make you? I know it made her emotionally sick. Yeah. I know it made her physically sick because she, she physically was like exhausted. Mm-hmm. Her body was like, you can't keep carrying this around. And so finally she had to break off the friendship with, um, with the two ladies that were having the affairs not to say, um, and she, she did the work too. She, she had the hard conversations. She told them the truth, you know, like this isn't good. It's not okay. You know, she, she had, she had the hard talks, but they weren't willing to change and they wanted her sworn to secrecy and Mm -hmm. she just couldn't do it anymore. And so she had to cut off the relationship. You know, this is, you can't talk about good friendships without also talking about boundaries. Yeah. And also a good friend is like, you, if you're a good friend, another friend's not going to ask you to self-violate. Right. And um, I'm not going to, you know, Aaron, I'm not going to ask you to violate your character, your conscience, your core values, your morals. I'm not going to ask you to violate anything to be my friend. Uh, right. I don't ask that of any of my friends and anyone who wants me to violate myself for them out instant out. That's like, you've revealed to me who you're going to be in my world done. Anyone, and I think what happened, I want to yeah, say this I, I want to say this too, yeah, because when, earlier you were talking about trust and how people have wounds. just had an interruption there is the connection okay yeah but around trust um I was thinking one of the thoughts I had about that is I know in my friendships the trust that I needed to build up wasn't with people it was with myself because when I when I got into friendships the reason why I got so badly hurt is I would violate myself without them even asking so I would compromise myself I would not speak my truth I would not Um, I would be codependent and just, you know, have it be all about them. And I wouldn't show up to the relationship powerfully. And in doing that, I was violating myself and it destroyed the relationship anyway. So in those wounds of those relationships, the healing came when I started showing up for me and saying, I won't violate you in the presence of another, that I'm allowed to love myself while also loving another. Yeah. And it's a win. It's a win-win relationships aren't a win-lose or a lose-win they're a win-win and I think I think that that's an important piece because I know a lot of adults that they equate loyalty and friendship as the same thing and they're not you know there's a lot of people who go yeah they're my friend well why are they your friend well they've been they're a historical friend you know Mm -hmm. Um, I saw this a lot with with um, at-risk kids they would be loyal to kids who con- to other kids because they grew up with them. Right. But those other kids were constantly asking them to, to do things that violated their conscience. Right. And they would do it in the name of friendship and in the name of loyalty. But the truth is, is that if you're not first loyal to yourself, if you, if you aren't loyal to your core values, what happens mm-hmm. is you'll become a shitty friend anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's this part that you have to know yourself, like the best people who be, who really become the best people to be friends with are the ones who 
are on a journey of self-reflection and self-growth, um, they become the best friends. That's why you are yeah. such a good friend to Sarah and I, you and Ken, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is because there's a journey that's honest, that's self-reflective, that isn't asking us to be loyal in a way that would violate our core no. values. No. Now, I'm not saying don't be loyal. Obviously, good friends are loyal friends. Yeah. But good friends are loyal friends to a point. Mm-hmm. To a point because loyalty can become a tool of manipulation. Yeah. If it's and it's not it's not a fair ask in terms of loyalty to for someone to ask you to do something if it requires you to violate your conscience. You know, and it's funny yeah. as I, I think about that's really obvious with kids where we'd go don't be loyal to the drug dealer guy. Right. Like cut, <laughs> cut him out. But then what happens is we get to be adults and we think, ah, oh, you know, I've been down this road. I'm really strong. Yeah. And, you know, and then what we get is we get in a savior complex Yeah. where we think that we can save them or that we're strong enough when in reality, all they're doing is dragging us through their, their crap. You know, yeah. they're, they're just dragging us through the mud. So on that thought too, I want to share a story about, um, cause earlier you brought up some good points about us projecting, uh, you know, mother-in-law's projecting and, and how we all do that. We all project our own pain and, um, living in where I live, I've lived here nine years now, moved from Southern California to Northern California. And I don't have, um, I don't have the community that I thought I would have by now, but mm-hmm. I, I did have to do some work where I was like, oh, I'm not seeing the community I do have, though, because of this weird expectation of what I thought it would look like. So once right. I dealt with my weird expectations of, oh, it, a community looks like this, when I got rid of those, I was able to see the community I did actually have. Um, but that's a side story. Anyway, in the midst of that pain of that, trying to figure out why don't I have the community that I want, um, I invited a acquaintance friend who I had done. um, I was in school with her and we went to school and she was one of those people that she's a straight shooter. Right. So whatever, whatever it is, she's going to tell you straight. And I go, okay, she's on the outskirts of friendship with me. You know, she's more than the acquaintance friend. Like she would invite me to uh, maybe a big party or she would invite me to, celebrate her birthday out with a group of people, but you know, we weren't hanging out every week. Um, we, you know, I'd see her in person, maybe like three times a year, do some social media chats and some text messages when we saw something that reminded us of each other, but that's it. And I invited her out for a walk and we're walking and I said, Hey, I I invited you out because I wanted to ask you some questions because I don't have the community that I want. And I'm wondering if there's something that I'm doing, like you're, astute enough and I trust you to tell me the truth so I I want to hear it like speak the truth to me I want to know how I can grow in this area and her answer blew me away <laughs> hmm. her answer was this she says no I'm not going to do that and really? I was like really why not and she goes because I'm in my own friend pain and I feel like anything I'm going to tell you is going to be projecting my own process onto you and it may have nothing to do with your process. Wow. That's some awareness. Such awareness. I was like, man, now I want her to be my friend even more. How do I get her closer? <laughs> <You know? laughs> <He> totally. 
but um uh she went on to talk about like you know I just I I think you just need to trust yourself Melanie and build the friendships you want just do it like there's there I don't think there's things you're doing wrong stop looking for the thing that's wrong and just just be yourself like you're a cool chick just do it just make friends and I was like Mm-hmm. and so um I just thought and then at the end you know she was like hey I'm in a b- really bad place so don't pull on me because I can't be there for you I can't be this friend for you mm. and I was like man too bad because I really like this conversation <laughs> <laughs> I was like man that's so good but I just really respected that she was so self-aware number one and I that's what I think good friends are they're they're self-aware most of the time so that I don't have to be aware of you you're already self-aware I don't need to manage you I manage me you manage you and she just encouraged me she encouraged me in who I was and she took some time to do that and um she helped minimize this big struggle right like I was like this is a big struggle and she was just like no it's not Let's bring it back down. Mm. Right. And so mm. she, she minimized it, but not in a bad way, not in a bad way, not in a bad way, not in a discrediting way, not in a dismissive way or making me feel like I'm stupid. Right. Just reminding me who I was. That reminds me of something that Brene Brown talks about. She talks about this idea of um, that we can have these things called conflaborations. Yes. And I'm like, what the heck is a conflaboration? Uh-huh. A conflaboration is a lie told truthfully. Now you're going, what does that mean? How do you tell a lie truthfully? Well, the way you tell a lie truthfully is when your emotions are real and valid about a situation, you know, but mm-hmm. the truth of the, the actual facts of it are different. And so like an example, someone says something in your mind says something about you and it triggers you and you have all this huge emotional reaction but the facts are is that that's not what they meant by that and you took it out of context yeah right it's like my kids and so what happens is the emotions are real and valid your emotions Mm -hmm. are real and valid it's really happening to you you're having the emotions but the facts are skewed the facts aren't correct right you know we see this with kids all the time like um, an example, I remember, uh, Toby came home one time from school and he was like, I hate school. And I'm like, why do you hate school? And he goes, my teacher hates me, mm. you know, and he's near tears and I'm sad for him because his, he's near tears and the, the, you know, there's the Papa bear part of me that wants to go harm the teacher now, you know, yeah. like, yeah. how dare they make my kid cry. Right. And I go, well, why do you, why do you think your teacher hates you? Well, they told me that I needed to rewrite this essay and. Um, they, and they told me that it wasn't good. And I'm like, is that what they said? Well, no. What did they say then? Well, they said that I need to work on this paragraph and that paragraph. And I'm like, okay, time out. Yeah. Uh, Emotionally, you're right on. Okay. You're having the emotions. You feel hurt. You felt, you know, um, and she, she said that in front of the table group that you were sitting at. So you felt embarrassed. Yes. So I validate your emotions. That's hard to feel that way. But that doesn't mean that she hates you. What she's trying to do is actually make you better. Yeah. Now that happens with kids. It's easy to see. But that's happening with us as adults all the time. Yeah. And it's that inner circle, the mirror friends, the ones who will ask the questions that validate the emotions, but also 
that hold the mirror up to the truth. That's okay. how you stop a conflagration. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I think we can keep talking about this and I think maybe we should do a part two maybe or another, like maybe make this friend thing a series because there's several things that I think we could continue discussing. But as far as takeaways today, I just want to, you know, kind of challenge everybody to self-reflect after listening to this podcast, see what kind of friend you are. Are you, are you the anchor that's dragging people to the bottom of their storm and drowning them in their, in their sea? Or are you the the one that anchors you to the ship and who are the friends in your life that are doing that for you and like cleaning up that space. Like if you have friends that you're just keeping around because of loyalty or friends that you're keeping around because of the historical, their historical friend, maybe it's time to take that energy that you're putting toward that friendship and put it into one that's going to really just feed you and and be good for your health. Right. What are some some takeaways that you might want to give Aaron? Um, I mean, I think I would really just want to give one takeaway, um, and it's this, is you're never going to be um, a better, or you're never going to be a better friend to others than you are to yourself. So good. So if you are trashing yourself, if you're speaking <laughs> down to yourself, if you're mm-hmm. saying that you're not worthy of friendship, if you're saying that um, your, you know, your own self-talk is derogatory. Mm-hmm. Um, what you'll find is you're going to start, um, even if you don't say those words out loud to others, um, you'll start projecting that onto others and people won't feel safe around you. Yeah. I remember at the school, that at-risk school that I taught at, um, I, I remember as kids, these kids were so street smart. But one of the things when you're street smart is you don't just evaluate what people are saying with their words. Mm-hmm. You're looking at their body language. And really yeah. what you're feeling is their spirit. Mm-hmm. Does this person have evil intent towards me? Or is this person angry? And I don't know why. Right. Those are all cues. Those are all cues for you how to defend yourself. And so if you are in, if you are in a place of anger in your spirit, if you are in a place where you are talking um, and putting yourself down on this deep level on um, what will happen is you won't know why, but people will find themselves. You'll find people distancing themselves from yeah, you. You'll true. find people not opening up to you because yeah. you don't feel internally safe. And so when I say my big thing for you to contemplate would be, are you on the journey yourself, a, a journey of self-reflection a journey of giving yourself permission and kindness to be a human, but also the challenge to grow because you will not be able to build stronger friendships than your own self-talk to you. So good. hundred percent true. hundred percent true. I have found that going on that journey for myself was the purifying fire to all of my relationships. When I actually started liking myself and loving myself, and dealing with my inner critic and all the stuff that I've done, I was able to receive and see the love that others were giving me. And I was able to give it away more purely. And I was able to receive love from God even because I'm the filter of all of that. So, so good, Aaron. Thanks for sharing that. All right, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being here, Aaron. I enjoyed it. It's so fun. And I hope everybody takes care. Bye.
I am so excited that you joined us today. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you liked what you heard today, please like and follow us. Uh, Subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends. We want to hear your feedback too. So reach out to us via the contact info in the show notes and we'll see you next time.